one of the things I learned early on when you're struggling and trying to make it is don't spend too much time alone because the yeah. uh, the evil thoughts start to creep yeah. in and and, yeah. and it's and it's tough. It really makes it tough. But you know, when you start hanging around you know, as many positive people mm-hmm. as you can and they're encouraging you because I mean there was a point in year one that I really wasn't sure we were going to make it. Yeah. You know? All right, and welcome to the next episode of the Unbiased Truth Podcast. I am Sid, presented by 360 Home Inspections and Restoration One today. I am joined by Ben, owner of the uh, Richmond location of Restoration One. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a little introduction. Uh, So um, started in the industry uh, a little over five years ago, you know, after uh, going through a couple layoffs in the corporate world and... uh, (laughs) Didn't know what I wanted my next move to be, and you know, through some networking and all that, um, uh, there was a recruiter that asked me, "Have you ever thought about having your own business?" And I said, "Well, I think about a lot of things, <laughs> but yeah, you know, what am I going to do?" <laughs> right, you know? right. And uh, yeah, I've, I've worked in the construction industry, uh, you know, pretty much <coughs> mo- most of my career. Yeah. And so uh, he introduced me to somebody who sells franchises and all that, and we kind of went through the process, and here we are. It's funny that um, almost everybody's business venture starts with from the corporate world, you know, right. and then I started my own business after working in corporate America. Oh, versus, yeah. You know, uh, other other places. Uh, so many people have their stories, whether it's just they were just tired of the corporate world or they're just um, laid off, you know, whatever. Right. So, you know what, let's do my own thing. Yeah, because uh, after a while, you kind of get tired of, uh, you know, you, somebody else being in control of your destiny and, yeah, and all yeah. that. So I decided, you know, I'm, you know, making money for other people. Why don't I just That's right. do it for myself? That's so, right. Yeah. So you've been doing this for five years, you said? Yeah, a little over five years. Yeah. We started in uh, June of 2017. We officially opened the doors, website live and all that. Yep. 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 And is it just you? Uh, it's just me, no partners or anything like that. Okay. So, uh, yeah, started it, you know, yeah, a little, little shaky the first year, <laughs> <laughs> got, got a, little less shaky in the second yeah. year and then you know we started building on that on it from there yeah and uh how many guys you got working for you so now we have uh four guys mm-hmm. two trucks on the road so uh yeah we started just with uh myself and another guy you know yeah. in one truck and yeah. then it became just me for a while yeah and then uh you know, found some other folks to come along and then uh probably since 2020 uh during you know in 2020 we really started to grow and mm-hmm. um yeah, and then of course we went through some uh, staffing issues, like everybody sure, else has. Sure. And um, but now it seems like uh, you know we've we've got some good hardworking guys, and uh, looking yeah. forward to the future. Yeah. I, I would imagine that uh, restoration works a little tough by yourself. It is, it is, <laughs> and, and you never realize it till you're in a flooded basement all by yourself for yeah. about fifteen hours. Yeah, um, yeah, that that happened. Uh, I think it was the first job that I had, first water damage job I had. Uh, when I was all by myself, completely yeah. solo. And, l- and luckily there's another franchisee in town that uh, would lend me a hand when I need another set of hands to carry nice. something or whatever. Yeah. But uh, this lady wouldn't let me out of her house. Like she was feeding me all day and she was like, please don't leave. Please don't leave. I think, and, I uh, think I've seen the criminal minds episode. Right. like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's pretty cool that you had another, another franchisees in town because not all franchisees would be, willing to to help 
yeah. like that. I mean, I don't know if that's common in the restoration world, but I don't think um, it's common in the restoration world, let alone the franchising right, world. Right. Um, but uh, this other franchisee and I, we opened our businesses within about three days of each other. Oh, wow. And so we introduced ourselves while we're setting up our businesses, got to know each other a little bit. Yeah. And um, since we both came from outside the industry, we kind of you know, just helped each other along, yeah. um, especially when we were both much smaller. Right. Um, if we had a job come in that was, you know, a lot bigger than what we could handle on mm-hmm. our own or with our one guy that we had or whatever, right, right. then we'd combine, do the work together, split the revenue. Nice. And, um, you know, we've been able to help each other grow versus, you know, fighting and fighting and, you yeah, know, a lot of infighting and, and all of that stuff, kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So what has been one of the biggest challenges as far as the growth goes? Um, I would say probably the last 15, 18 months, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely been the staffing piece. Yeah. And um, it, it got really tough this past spring was just seemed like just some of the craziest stuff was happening. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, you start thinking, Oh, nobody wants to work and all this. Well, then at some point you've got to reflect inward You're right? because right. it can't be everybody else. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, also through, yeah, I work with a consultant and that helps me with a lot of different things from, you know, billing and you know, just right. business items in general. Um, and so, uh, then I, I stumbled across some research that was done mm-hmm. specifically on, on on employment, specifically in the restoration business. So um, I started reading into that, and then they started um, breaking down all the research uh, by generation yeah. and how each generation felt about about various topics and right, things right. like that. And you know, along the line, I actually realized that um, I was so caught up on the sales side that. You know, I was leaving my crews alone too much. Right. Wasn't, yeah, you know, I was kind of neglecting them a little bit. Right, right. And so really through reading a lot of this stuff, talking to my consultant, talking to other business owners, I realized, man, you know, I, I got to get back to what I used to do, always checking in on my crews and checking on these jobs and seeing what they're going through, you know, so I can help them right. or even make, things a little bit easier on them when I can, right. you know, cause sometimes you just, you're so focused on the growth piece. You're just like, go, go, go. And you're, you're kind of killing your, your people. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because there's, there's a lot of people, especially older people, um, that's stuck in the, uh, well, that's how we've always done it. And that's how I've always done it. If you don't like it, you can leave. Um, I don't, you know, and so they, they, I don't want to say lead, but they, they, they lead by a very narrow singular vision versus realizing that each generation is different in their approach to work and what they want out of work or not want out of work or the, um, uh, the subsets of each generation, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm considered a millennial. Um, but the poster for millennials is skinny jeans, a man bun and an iPhone. And <laughs> I don't own any of those three things. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, you know, understanding the, the dichotomy of, of the different generations and, and as a business owner, you know, it's, it's really easy to say nobody wants to work, right? right. And, and in some cases, that might be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's also some inward reflecting there. Right. I say, well, maybe they just don't want to work for me, right? right. And, and kind of figure out. And it's a lot of work. It's right. exhausting, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. We get down to the people level of things mm-hmm. um, and trying to attend to people's needs, especially the more people you get right. uh, and whatnot. Um, 
But that's all all fast. Have you ever do you ever use or have you ever used gone through like temp agencies for work? I have. Yeah. Yeah. And a few years ago I actually did attempt to hire with a guy and mm-hmm. he really helped me build the business. I mean, mm-hmm. he was always available to work. He you know, he was trying to, you know, build his life with his, you know, wife and all this kind of stuff and um and and that worked out really well. Um, but here lately we used some temps back in the spring and yeah. on some bigger jobs and it was it was kind of difficult to manage, but you know, you, you can manage it, but it's yeah. not, uh, I guess as easy yeah. as it once was. Um, but you know, especially in the spring too, my lead technician left Oh wow. to go to a competitor. Yeah. And that hit me kind of hard. Yeah. And, um, he was gone for about a month <laughs> and then, uh, he, he called, yeah. you know, we started talking and, uh, we met up for some lunch one afternoon on a Saturday and uh, we had some really productive conversations and, you know, he, he really enjoyed the prospect of being able to, you know, help me grow this business versus working for a larger company that already has their process in place and not really interested in, you know, hearing your ideas and right. that, that type of thing. And, um, you know, part of the mistakes that we made along the way, or I made along the way rather, was just forcing everything. Everything that came in was an emergency. Right. And in my previous career in the construction equipment rental business, mm-hmm. um, every day, everything was on fire. That's has right. to be done now. <laughs> and that's the way I spent basically like the better part of 20 years of my life. Right. And so I kind of had to put all that in perspective and look at things when, when we do get busy, what are we prioritizing? How are we prioritizing it? And is it, you know, is it the right thing to do? to keep somebody out late on a Friday or make somebody work on a Saturday, even when it's not a a true emergency, right? Someone's house is flooded or something like that. It'll still be there on Monday. Yeah. Let's make emergencies, emergencies, not kind of cry wolf. Because then not not only do you burn out the employees, but then the emergency does come in and then what do you do? Yeah. If you got crews tied up on, on any equipment tied up on something that's not, that could have waited until Monday or the next morning or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I had a short dip into the restoration world uh, part-time for about a year. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the bigger jobs, they that company would get temps or whatnot, call temp agency and right. you know, set up all the fans and mm-hmm. things like that. And it's, it's just interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, herding cats, you know, trying, oh, yeah. to get, trying, to, trying to explain stuff to them and, and things like that. But uh, So that was just out of my own curiosity. Yeah. Out, out yeah. of anything. And, and we used – Temps more so for uh, larger jobs where right. either there's a, a lot of contents to move like mm-hmm. out of a basement or a garage or um, if, you know, there was a house fire and we're gutting the entire house down to the studs, yeah. then it's like, okay, come in here and just swing hammers. Let's, you know, yeah. carry trash cans, that sort of thing, yeah. you know, where uh, my guys can do a little bit more of the technical stuff and then right. they can do some of the, you know, um, I guess lack of a better way to say it, less skilled Type right stuff that needs to get done. Yeah. Right. So you're a member of a uh, networking group yes. and uh, what's your, how has that helped you? Oh, it's, it's helped immensely. Yeah. Um, you know, working with other realtors, being able to visit other groups and meet mm-hmm. other people. And then, you know, you meet people that introduce you to more people and yeah, that's right. you, know, you really start building this network of, of people. Uh, as a matter of fact, today, um, you know, I was in front of a, a client, um, and 
she was talking about she was having difficulty with some locks and she took right. a lock apart, didn't know what to do. I said, well, you know, let me know. I have a good locksmith I can introduce <laughs> you to. Right. She was like, wow, you know, yeah. you, you have all these contacts, you know, yeah. and that's the biggest thing that makes you a better resource to your clients yeah. or to other business owners. And uh, you, you have more to share and more value. Yeah. And some we talked about earlier today, we did a class today at a real estate office and, and just, just being a resource and, and making those contacts. And, um, because not everybody knows everything. Um, not everybody knows everybody. Um, but it's, it's nice to be able, something comes across, you don't know, um, you know, be able to shoot a text or whatnot to somebody and, and get a, another opinion on it or, or whatever it is. So, uh, I think, I think, you know, I did the networking group thing for a little bit, um, mm-hmm. about eight or nine months. And then that was when I was on my own and I just couldn't do it anymore. Right. right. Just cause of time. And it was on, you know, I mean, I'm in Newcant and it was in Midlothian and it, that was just a hike every week. Right. Um, plus the one-on-ones and, and all that other stuff. Um, uh, they just opened or started a group in Newcant that, uh, uh, Courtney, I think is going to join. Um, closer to, to both our houses, but, right. um, but there is definitely value in it, oh, yeah. um, you know, and it's just, but it's just like anything else. You got to put in what you want out of it. And especially yeah. early on in the business. Yeah. Um, one of the things I learned early on when you're struggling and trying to make it is don't spend too much time alone. Cause the, yeah. uh, the evil thoughts start to creep yeah. in and, and, yeah. and it's, and it's tough. It really makes it tough. But you know, when you start hanging around you know, as many positive people mm-hmm. as you can and they're encouraging you. Cause I mean, there was a point in year one that I really wasn't sure we were going to make it. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, you know, there, there was a handful of people that really stepped in, you know, that are now really close friends of mine mm-hmm. that just encouraged me. Hey, don't just focus, just look forward. Don't look back. Don't worry right. about it. And, uh, you know, once you kind of come out of that hole, then yeah. you realize, okay, there's no more looking back unless, unless it's to learn a lesson. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but we're not going to dwell on any yeah. of the negative pieces or anything like that. We'll learn from it and move on. Yeah. It's really easy to get, get tunnel vision and, and start dwelling on, on the bad stuff and, and <laughs> questioning. And, and, you know, like I said, you know, it's just even a good idea anymore. And, and I wonder, right. let me go look and see who's hiring, you know? <laughs> right. Well, cause the, you know, part of the biggest worry or, responsibility that I feel I have is when, when you have a team that they're relying on you to support their families. Right. And so, uh, and that was one, one of the big lessons I learned in the recession when I was in the equipment business that, oh man, these, these folks are relying on, you know, a lot of the, you know, mechanics, truck drivers are relying on the sales team and the management team to, you know, pulls through this thing. Yeah. So then when you have your own business, you're like, oh man, these guys, they have kids, they have yeah. wives, they have, you know, whatever going on in their lives that, yeah. you know, it's, it's my responsibility to make sure we have uh plenty yeah. of work for them to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you get most of your business? Um, most of our business, we've built it largely on referrals. Yeah. Uh, early on, I started spending a lot of money uh, on online advertising. Yeah. And, you know, first month or so, I was getting some decent stuff. I was like, okay. And they say it's supposed to get better. Well, it never got better. Uh-huh. It actually started getting worse. Uh-huh. And I don't know how much money I flushed <laughs> down the toilet. It was a lot. I, actually, I do know how much. But, uh, but uh, I said, you know, look, just cut it off. I said, you know, I'm going to build this by word of mouth. Yeah. And and it was tough, but, um, but just through 
just a steady network and just staying with yeah. it every single week and trying to introduce other folks to yeah. new people and, and all that. It's, yeah, you, you got to try and give as much as you can um, in order to, you know, see the return on it. Yeah. And, um, uh, but that's, that's probably the biggest thing it's done for me. And then now that, you know, we've gotten to a certain point with our growth, now we're kind of back to doing some online advertising and, right. and some things like that, that are, that are helping fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, I, I did the online advertising for a, for a little while. And when I first started doing it, it wasn't too bad, uh, because the, uh, the space wasn't very crowded mm-hmm. for that. So the cost per clicks was pretty low. Right. Um, but then all of a sudden it just got crowded real quick mm-hmm. and, and you can spend, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks just to get a lead. Uh, and, and, you know, two, three hundred dollars or a hundred, two hundred dollars just to get a conversion. Right. Um, because this, it's just, it was it just got so crowded. Like everybody, like every home inspector was doing it all of a sudden. Oh yeah. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'm going to turn that off for a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. let, let them go away. Um, the restoration then, you know, space is really crowded Yeah, and, and the clicks are expensive. Yeah. I can remember, you know, a month, two or four or whatever, looking at the dashboard at the yeah. clicks and seeing a call that came in where a guy had filled out a job application at a competitor and he was calling to check on his job application. <laughs> yeah. and it just cost me $39. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I'd get that too. I'd get, um, uh, I get <laughs> calls from, uh, looking for, you know, Chesterfield codes office. Right. You know? and like, yeah. <laughs> Cause I've, they type in whatever and the ad would be the first one to pop up. So you just click the number, you right. know, not reading who we are. <laughs> and uh, well, you were the first number that popped up. Like, yeah, you got to read, man. Oh, yeah. You, know, you just cost me money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got tenants complaining about landlords. I'm like, I don't, call oh, yeah. the code office. Do you have that number? No, I don't have that number. Right. You know? <laughs> and at that point, I'm just mad because I lost money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was having a co- the same conversation with uh, some friends last week that I was on vacation with, and uh, they were trying to go online and buy a fishing license. Yeah. And uh, cause they were on another trip and uh, they accidentally bought a book on how, <laughs> on how to buy a fishing license. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh yeah. So it, it, those clicks can be tricky. Yeah. They can. Um, <laughs> they'll get me every now and then um, uh, with like going to like the flying squirrels game. Uh, cause you'll go, go click tickets mm. and you'll go, the first ones that pop up are like the third party sites. Right. You know? And I don't pay attention. So I'm clicking on it. And then all of a sudden it's like $63 for a ticket. I'm like, that's not right. right. You know, like, and then I look at the website I'm like, oh, that's, that's why it's a third party. You right. know, let me go back to my $10 ticket site. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. For the squirrels game. So, <laughs> so yeah, you don't pay attention. They'll get you real quick. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit into the actual restoration. Um, obviously in real estate we do, you know, we'll do inspections and we'll find stuff and, and we even post inspections, post closing, whatever. Um, and and sometimes that stuff involves you guys right. or, or your industry and whatnot. And one of the things that I learned recently, it was through you, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, toilet leaks or sewage pipe leaks mm-hmm. into the crawl space, yeah. right? Uh, you really enlightened me on how much that costs. Oh, if yeah. it's done the right way, right? right. Um, because I, I think I referred you, and I think the quote came in somewhere like eighteen, twenty thousand dollars because they had a, a, a sewage line bust in the right. crawl space, and and that's just because of how involved that is, right? right. Getting all that soil out, and I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of folks that won't dig the soil out. They'll just they'll 
get the water up or the right. liquid right. and right. the mystery liquid and <laughs> uh and they will spread lime everywhere yeah. all that and um yeah i know a lot of people do it like that but the guy that taught me how to do it he's since sold his business and has gone back to the mm-hmm. corporate world but he said he, he didn't recommend using lime because of the off-gassing and you know when you think about it you get 40 to 50 percent of your air in your home from your crawl space so all yeah. that you know everything's you know, all that air is flowing up through the through the structure. And right. um, so, you know, we try to do it in a manner that, you know, we're keeping the inside of the home safe, you know, and yeah. and all that. So, yeah. And um, for those that don't know, you know, that one resulted from, I think, cast iron piping, uh, which is in a lot of homes, not just here, but everywhere. Right. And, and for the most part, we're we're at the end of their life, if not far, far exceeding their mm-hmm. lifespan. Uh, and homeowners don't cover that, right. um, you know, because it's in a crawl space, right? Um, for the most part. For the most, I mean, if um, I guess if it looks like it's been going on for a long time, right. it may not be covered. But we've had several that are covered. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've done quite a few of them, um, and uh, you know, you're able a lot of times to be able to get the entire because when you have that moisture and then you got you know all the insulation gets wet because humidity in there and everything you're able to be able to clean the whole crawl space out treat it you know yeah. you know clean all the uh all the floor joists and put new insulation new vapor barrier back in right. once everything's dry but got to make sure you know we get all that um affected soil out of there right. bagged up and you know hauled away so how do you set your prices i don't know if that's a uh, secret or not um uh i always <laughs> thought it was like the insurance company kind of sets some of that um well, that's that's one of the myths that's floating around mm-hmm. out there. Um, there is a program that a lot of people in the industry use. Mm-hmm. Um, the company um, that uh, puts the software out, they right. do put pricing in for every zip code. Okay. But it's really just kind of an average. Okay. And um, the insurance company tries to you know, force people to use that pricing. Right, right. But it's really, once you... You know, because they, they don't know what everybody's overhead is and right, that right. sort of stuff. So um, a, a lot of companies have to make adjustments to that pricing uh, in order to be able to, you know, cover their costs right. and, and be able to make money. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're working out of a home office and then just got some storage units, mm-hmm. um, your overhead's a lot lower than, you know, right. having your own warehouse and and all that stuff. So Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then depending on how many vehicles you have on right. the road and all right. that stuff, yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's in, – and even the, the company that puts the software out, their CEO has a, you know, videos on YouTube that says, look, you know, it is actually a violation of terms of use to use our pricing. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, – and, and then plus two, it's, you know, you get into – price fixing and having that conversation sure. where that's not legal either. So, right. Right. Yeah. Right. They, they frown on like collusion and things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, when you're looking at, cause you got, so you have to go in there and you got to set a price for everything. And, and I mean like everything, right. Because mm-hmm. it's just like going to, to the doctor and you get your invoice and it's, you know, three gauzes and two band-aids and but so because there's like a lot involved you oh know? yeah i mean it's not just you just can, broad stuff like you're you're going down to um machines and times and cords and and you know screws and nails oh yeah because i mean it, it's almost like looking at your 
bill from a hotel stay. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. I mean, because it's every linear foot of trim or shoe molding. Yeah. Uh, every square, f- you know, uh, linear feet of cabinets removed, you know, mm-hmm. the square footages of insulation, flooring, you know, every, I mean, every bit of plastic, every square footage of plastic we put up for containment right. barriers, all that kind of stuff. I right. mean, even the little uh, tension posts that we put up, the mm-hmm. zip poles to hold the containment up, you yep. know, I mean, you get daily rates on that, you know, yeah. and I mean, that stuff's really not enough to take you to the promised land, but right, you know, some right. of it, but you know, it helps you buy more tension posts because sure. they get broken all the time and sure. that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, every little thing can be built for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get started with restoration in general? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, got into the franchise and I'm assuming they sent you through some training. Yeah. So, um, we did some, do some training through the, uh, IICRC, mm-hmm. uh, which just about everybody in the industry goes through that for their training. Okay. And, uh, I mean, they have, I mean, you can learn everything from, you know, carpet cleaning to, I mean, mm-hmm. they just have just tons and tons of classes. And, yeah. uh, but that's, you know, a lot of people do the big ones, the water damage mitigation, sure. the microbial remediation, which is mold remediation, right. um, you know, fire damage, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You can take odor control classes, all that stuff. Cause, right. and you know, over the years as you build on all your classes, cause you have to do a certain amount of continuing education, mm-hmm. you know, every few years. And so every one of those classes that you take will, pretty much satisfy those continuing ed requirements and right. um, but you can become you know a, a master restorer you know double master triple master they have all those that's right. type of designations right. and everything so um so yeah that's it. you know before I could ever go off to franchise training had to get you know the big three mm-hmm. the water damage the mold remediation and uh, fire damage remediation uh, ones done then went off to a two-week training in Orlando where they would, you know, send us out on live fire jobs. We were with a franchisee oh, nice. for a couple yeah. weeks and got to actually go out and see some live fire and um, learn it that way. Nice. And then, you know, of course, you can't learn everything in two weeks. Sure. So um, it was a lot of uh, leaning on um, independent guys, you know, local guys here um, that you meet through networking and, right. and you know, trying to, um, you know, build relationships with those folks. Because even sometimes if, you know, you're loaded down and, you know, you can't take on a job, it's good. It's nice to have good people in your corner that you can refer and you know they'll take care of these folks. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's all part of your reputation as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So since you brought up mold, um, you know, that's the dreaded N-word in real estate. Right. Uh, you know, and there's, you know, myths and whatnot around that, you know, we're not allowed to say mold unless it's been tested and things like that. But Virginia's a deregulated state, right, mm-hmm. for mold right. testing. Yeah. Um, used to be. Used to be regulated. It used to have be, have to have certifications and whatnot. Right. And then they deported just said, yeah, we're, we're not doing that no more. Um, so, you know, anybody can wake up and, and go do mold testing. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys don't do mold testing, but you do remediation, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and why is that? Um, well, you know, I mean, it's not – against the rules or the law right. to do both, but it is kind of frowned upon due to the, um, uh, conflict of interest, right. you know, um, not to say that, yeah, I mean, there are people that do both, but mm-hmm. I've chosen, I feel for our clients, it's a better position to refer a third party, mm-hmm. uh, unbiased third party that they can get their information from. Right. And then we can also, you know, and then they'll share it with us and then we can go in look at the job 
and uh, give them an accurate estimate and all that. So we get asked quite a bit. Um, it just came up like about two weeks ago, I think. A week, two weeks, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, client wanted mold testing in their house. And so then the question was, well, if we go in and we do indoor air quality testing and it comes back with elevated levels, then what? I said, well, then you just got to figure out where it's at. So what's that process looks like? So in a lot of situations like that, we find that it may come down to um, uh, could be a humidity issue in the house. Um could come down to an HVAC issue with the humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, maybe the the fans blowing too fast, and you know it's not giving the coils enough time to pull the moisture right. out of the air. Because um, there's there's certain mold spores that, mm-hmm. uh, like Aspergillus penicillium, that will thrive in higher humidity, higher moisture uh, type situations. Right. Um, it's yeah, you find it in the outside air. Um, yeah, we bring it in on our clothing right. and all that, but you know, typically, you know, it, it's at lower levels in our homes because of the filtration and HVAC systems and all that. But, um, but yeah, a lot of times it, a lot of those boil down to humidity issues. But if you start finding other, uh, spores that fall under the, um, you know, the water damage indicator categories and right. that sort of thing, um, then, then now we have to go looking for, yeah. you know, where's the leak? Is there a toilet leak? Is there a leak behind the sink? Yeah. You know, that, that kind of stuff. And, um, and it gets, you know, can get a little bit trickier yeah. at times. Yeah. Cause we, we, I mean, I had one probably a year, year and a half ago that I really just had to walk away and, and tell the client, like, yeah, I don't ever try to be a know-it-all, right. but I can't find the moisture. I don't know where this is coming from, but there's, stuff in the air mm-hmm. that is a clear water damage indicator, you know, couldn't find any water damage either. Right. You know, right. so um, then a competitor took it on. Yeah. Charged them somewhere in the eight to 10 grand range. And it's still the, the water damage indicators were still in the air. Still there. Yeah. Still I was like, there. Glad I didn't take that on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah mold's a tricky one. I, I tend, when we get to request, I'll, for the most part, I tell people, wait until the inspection, you know, wait until the inspector's there um, and see what, what they see. Right. You know, and then, and then have that discussion on whether or not you want to move forward with actual mold, mold testing. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I hate for people to spend $400 in a real estate transaction mm-hmm. for mold testing. When, when, if you go into crawl space, molds mold, you know, right. I mean, I know, you know, depending on, you know, the, the license states, get into um, unless you're licensed, you can't call it mold or you shouldn't call it mold unless it's actually been tested from a lab and things like that. Right. But when you're in crawl spaces as much as we are and you've tested as much and seen as much, you kind of, you know, right. it's, it's mold. Right? And, and, and a lot of those things do fall in the, um, you know, the common allergen category, but right, right. depending on what someone's health history is. And that's what I tend to tell people yeah. is that, you know, mold, there's a lot of misnomers about mold. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's not really a black toxic death mold. Um, you right. know, it's, just, it's, it's just, you know, there's just different types of mold and, mm-hmm. and it depends on your allergen level and your allergy allergies and things like that. And your, your immune yeah. systems and all that fun stuff really depends on your reactions to it. Not that right. you should have a house full of mold, but you know, one person can walk through and be okay. And one person could take three steps in and got to turn around and go back out. Right. Uh, and whatnot. So, uh, so there's a, definitely a lot of, of fear mongering mm-hmm. with that. Right, uh, a lot of misnomers with it, and um, we just tend to 
you know, of course we get people like, no, I really want it. Like, well, I mean, if you want to give me your $400, $450 to test, right. we'll, we'll do it. I mean, I don't, I don't mind doing it. Yeah. Uh, but if it's really a concern, that's when we tend to just go ahead and just refer you guys out or, right. you know, whatever. And uh, say so just, just, you know, because I think we did that about a month or so ago. I said, these need to call call Ben. And then if Ben says they should test it, then we'll test it. But, right. you know, it was just kind of that situation. Like, we'll do it, you yeah. know, but. But I hate for you to waste money on something that, that you don't need. Oh, yeah. Because you know? a lot of times, you know, it's all about having a conversation with the client or potential client yeah. that, you know, you start asking them, you know, do you have things in your health history? Like, do you, do you have Lyme disease? Because right. you're going to be more sensitive to things that most people aren't, right. you know, whether it's food or environmental uh, things in the environment right. that, that can make you sick. And um, really like to have that conversation with them because, you know, people will come with a, mold test and i mean uh, you know with stuff from the lab you know is this harmful for me is this harmful yeah well i can't answer that you know the only person that can answer that is your physician yeah and you but you know you really want to give them that information so they can go get the correct information and then we can proceed from there but um you know most people you know don't have those high sensitivities but there are a lot of folks out there that that have some serious uh uh, sure. Health issues and yeah. um, you know uh, immune, yeah. autoimmune issues and stuff like that that you really got to be careful and and really take it step by right. step at that point. Yeah. So when do, would you recommend testing? Um, you know if people start notice you know if uh, you start noticing people in your home or in you know the living environment that you know typically haven't been sick. And now all of a sudden you have a lot of respiratory issues right. and, and that sort of stuff, or maybe even, you know, it could be rashes on their skin or just things that aren't typical. And, you know, sometimes people are like, gosh, I haven't felt myself in the last two years, yeah. you know, and they start going through that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, th- there are some, um, uh, some issues out there that a lot of doctors aren't even aware of, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you really, some people really have a hard time even finding a place that they can live that doesn't make them sick. Yeah. And you really, really feel bad for those folks. You know, it's a, it's a serious issue, but you know, but there are scenarios that, you know, people are feeling fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but there are, there is a lot, like you say, there is a lot of fear-based selling going on out there. And, um, you know, and that's not right either. You just have to, you know, ask the right, you know, ask the, right questions and right. make sure you're digging into it the right way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like when, um, you know, COVID came around, there was a couple of people around advertising COVID cleaning, right. And right. they come in, they charge however much money and they can clean. And, and I contacted the department of health. Like, Hey, is this a thing? They're like, there's literally nothing on the market. For right. This. Like nothing. Yeah. I mean, none of mm-hmm. this is true. Um, they're just making it up as they go. I'm right. like, that's that's awesome. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> just taking advantage of people. Oh know? yeah, I mean, um, I know a guy that owns a moving company, yeah. and he had people coming through his business and saying, "Hey, we can spray your inside of your trucks, and they'll yeah. be uh, disinfected for 90 days." He said, "Is that true? Can you do that?" And I said, "Well, let's just put it this way. <laughs> let's just say, you know, we clean your doorknob, yeah, and we've disinfected your doorknob. Now somebody." I don't know, get some dog mess on their hands. Yeah. And we touch your doorknob. Yeah. Well, we can wipe it off the doorknob, but 
I bet you there's still some bacteria there. <laughs> you right. know, that's I right. mean, you know, it just doesn't stay yeah. that way. You right. Know? right. And, and that's what we told people. I mean, there's a lot of people that made a lot of money. He did. Um, off of those COVID cleanings. And, and one of the things we were very clear and we'd put them in our estimates, uh, at the bottom of our estimates. So they understood. And I would tell them verbally as well that, you know, we can clean your house and it'll be clean when we're done. Yeah. But as soon as an infected person walks in the room, yeah, you're done. Yeah. yeah. It's gotta Absolutely. be done again. So, yeah. um, and I listened to a lot of, uh, town hall stuff on YouTube when COVID was first, you know, that March, April, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of attorneys that specialize in, in the restoration industry. Right. And they said, you know, you guys really need to be careful of the language you use, how you're selling this stuff, because, you know, you may see a lot of people in 2022 lose their business because, you know, maybe they made some false claims yeah. as to what they were yeah, doing. Especially and all as, that. as all that evolved and we learned more and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had to clean some pharmacies and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, Walgreens and CVS and places like that, that, um, you know, it, they'd shut the whole store down, clean all the carts, yeah. you know, the cash registers, the break rooms. Uh, sometimes we'd have to sit in a pharmacy with the pharmacist watching you, wiping every <laughs> bottle, every pill bottle in the pharmacy. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> Get paid by the hours. So. Gotcha. <laughs> Did it with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so last uh, last topic in uh, you know real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always issues in crawl spaces, right? Always, um, and and typically you know moisture, you know mold, moisture, things like that, or indications of moisture, insulation getting stringy, falling down, things right. like that. Um, and and a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there's some people probably in the same vein as as the the COVID cleanings and and some of this other stuff and the fear mongering, um, call them out there and and you know because we t- we don't we don't go into the level of what needs to be done right, right. for the most part you know mm-hmm. I'll give my thoughts on it right uh, you know hey vapor barrier get some fresh insulation mm-hmm. you know close your vents see what happens you right. know. Still getting some issues, you know, add a dehumidifier, mm-hmm. you know, still get some issues. And you may want to talk about condition encapsulation and things like that to where some people, and I've seen it, um, talking to a mutual friend, uh, where, where he, he went out and, and they didn't have any moisture readings, no, no pictures of anything, no, no, nothing, no contacts, but they were recommending 15 grand of, of encapsulation. Right. And, and he's like, it's not even that bad. Like, right. I don't even know how you got there and whatnot. So what's your thoughts on all of that? Um, so, you know, um, I always, I never recommend just putting a dehumidifier down there mm-hmm. unless you are going to encapsulate right. because it's still a vented crawl space. So you're basically going to wear that piece of equipment out right. a lot sooner right. than you normally would. Right. And it's not going to be as effective as it would once you're all sealed up, you know, have all your vents sealed off and, you know, have your, uh, poly, you know, sealed on sealed to the walls mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say most of the encapsulations that we have done, people want it more than they actually needed it. Right. Um, you know, there are situations, uh, we had a client earlier this year where, um, you know, they needed a drainage system. The whole thing it was just a really flat lot. Yeah. And every time it rained, um, you know, it, uh, it would flood. Yeah. I mean, we had to go in there and dig holes and pump the water out before the drainage yeah. guys could even come in and do their part. And, um, 
but you know, once we got it dry, once the drainage system was in there, then uh, we started sealing it up and all that. And in those cases, people actually do need it, right? Um, in order to to keep it good for the long term. Yeah. But um, you know, for the most part, um, I mean, I just encapsulated my crawl space two weeks ago. You know, well, I mean, you got just, the inside track, right? You know right. <laughs> and uh, so you know, it's uh, it, but you know, I mean. A vented crawl space is fine as long as, you know, you can figure out what's going on. If it's flooding, then maybe you just need a drainage system. Right. You know, and then you can keep it dry that way. Um, drain system in and of itself is not cheap because people are manually digging, you know, basically a two-foot trench all around the exterior, you know, all the exterior wall, the foundation walls, and, um, you know, running everything to a sump pump. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think um, everything has its place. Sure. And, and also, too, when, when people start talking about encapsulation or, you know, they've had maybe a few vendors come through and they're really selling them on all this stuff, you know, because uh, a lot of times you find older homes breathe better than newer homes because yeah. newer homes are wrapped in Tyvek and the technology with the windows is yeah. you know, through the roof now. And so whereas, you know, that air from underneath used to just cycle up and out of the top of the house, you know, now it's coming it's in, it's kind of getting trapped. Scared, yeah. And, and uh, you know, if your kids are sensitive, have, you know, allergies or, the, you know, any of the adults in the house are having issues, then, then maybe you want to talk about encapsulation because, you know, as long as you have moisture, um, you know, you're always going to have that opportunity in the crawl space yeah. to have that fungal growth down there. And, um, you know, you can clean it. It'll come back. But, you know, in the real estate world, it's all about, you know, right getting now. the closing line. And right, right now, now you just know, fix so, right now. You know, the, fix the problem. Right. Just yeah. fix the symptom. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, and I, and I tell people that, you know, I don't know if it'll be six months, six years or 16 years before it comes back. Right. It all depends on conditions and everybody's crawl space. Everybody's environment is different that way. I mean, we did an encapsulation for a guy. I mean, he was having all kinds of condensation issues. And, you know, 40 feet next door, dry as a bone. Right. You know. Right. So, um, it's just, you know, it's really interesting to see these yeah. different lots and, and all it that. It is. And, you know, I mean, it goes back to, you know, like you said, it's some, some of these older homes and how it breathes. Because you go in a 60-year-old home and no insulation, no vapor barrier, and it's just dust. Just bone dry, no right. signs of mold, you know, vents wide open. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just dust. Right. Um, you know, and then... Uh, I've gone into uh, new construction homes, mm-hmm. you know, not even lived in yet. And there's just some thick white mold everywhere right. and just a slip and slide on the, on the vapor barrier and, and whatnot. Uh, so, so the building science and the construction practices has definitely changed mm-hmm. uh, over the years. And, and, you know, there, there's times where, you know, depending on the location, depending on the house, you know, I think insulation can be a detriment to some right. of this stuff because, again, it's, it's trapping it, it's absorbing the moisture, right. and it's keeping it in there. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago when I, I took a crawl space, a hands-on crawl space encapsulation class down in Georgia, and something came up about, you know, these older homes that have that rough-cut lumber, yep. uh, you know, for the flooring systems and stuff. Um, you, know, you rarely see fungal growth on those. Yeah. But a lot of the newer homes, you know, could be three months old, three years yeah. old. You know, you have fungal growth on it. And um, I was one of the restoration groups I'm in on Facebook. Somebody uh, posted a couple cross sections of like wood from, you know, the 40s or 50s. And it had like 
50 or 60 growth rings in it. Yeah. And then you have a piece, you have, you know, lumber from 2016 right. that may have 12. Right, rings. right. So you have much more dense wood on mm-hmm. these older homes. So it's not taking on as much moisture right. as some of this newer lumber is. Yeah. yeah. So those Facebook groups, um, if somebody posts a question, does everybody attack them and, and make fun of them? And sometimes, uh, that's, sometimes all, that's, all the face, that's all the Facebook groups are for home inspectors. Like, right. yeah, it's just, you, anybody asks a question and it's just, you know, piranhas. Yeah. There's know, usually there's like, helpful. And, you, and you can tell the guys that are, that are really serious about their craft and what right. they're doing. Cause you know, out of like 60 comments, you have five guys that are really right. giving good, solid right. information. Check this, check that. Cause Every, every job that we have is completely different from the one before, you know, whether it's yeah. water damage or mold or, you know, crawl spaces, they're all right. unique. So you, you can't just go in cookie cutter and sure. do it the same every time. So, yeah, yeah it's, and, it, and it's good to get all this input, but that was one of the reasons why I went and took this class because <laughs> it, right. it went through all the building science stuff because yeah. I was tired of, you know, being on the internet and it's just this, you know, it's just yeah, so much yeah. – you know, so many conflicting statements out there that, you know, I wanted to see what it looked like from the science yeah. side. Yeah. So, uh, crawl space vents, open or closed? Um, I say keep them closed. Yeah. Um, when you look at the science, the um, high temperatures, mm-hmm. high, you know, high humidity goes to low humidity. So, outside in the summer, you've got hot, humid air. Underneath, yeah. it's a little bit cooler. Yeah. So, you know, if you have those vents open, you're almost drawing a lot yeah. of that moisture in there. So, you know, I know the, the industry used to say open them in the summer, right. close them in the winter. Now it's leaning more towards keep them keep closed them close, off. Yeah. Yeah. That was the gotcha question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, still a debate. Uh, and yeah, because I, I tell people, I started seeing the first articles around 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, that started making that shift, just keep them closed. Right. And, of course, that follows up with why they still putting them in 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 the new houses well right. that's because practices and science are two different things you right know? and 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 to get things you know in and out of code or in and out of building practices is, that takes a little bit yeah longer to do so we'll, we'll still see vents for quite a while right but we're starting to see in pockets some crawl spaces or some houses built with crawl spaces with either no vents or just straight out the mm-hmm. gate um encapsulated oh yeah you know, with no vents because you know in a water damage job, that's like one of the first things we do. You know, if it's 50 degrees outside and say there's been you know, three rooms that have been flooded, yeah, you get high humidity in there. It's 80, 90% humidity. So we'll pop open the windows, let a lot of that yep. humidity out while we're getting wet carpet out, sucking up water, whatever the case is, and then shut all the windows. Once we get all the wet materials removed, as soon as we can, we start getting air moving because if air is moving, um, you know, it mold can't grow. Right. But I mean, that's a lot of air we're putting on that situation. Right, right. But I think the thought process with the crawl space fence is that you're going to get cross ventilation mm-hmm. and it'll keep mold from growing. But I mean, I don't know about you, but I have yet to feel a breeze in a crawl space. No, the only so, time I felt a breeze in a crawl space is when the ductwork's disconnected. Right. And it's just blowing on me. That, <laughs> right. That's the only time. Yeah. It's, there's not yeah. a lot of movement down there at yeah. all. I think that's probably the intention of the sure. vents is to have that airflow. And, and I know there's probably a certain amount of airflow. You just can't feel it. If you were to hold a candle up, you'd probably see right. the, the movement, but um, it's just not enough air. Yeah. And I, I mean, you're talking about July, August where there's just no, 
I mean, it's just stagnant air. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just not moving. Yeah, no yeah. wind or anything, yeah. yeah. Which is the most moisture that we get in the air. Anyways, mm-hmm. so, yeah. uh, so interesting stuff. So, well, man, I think that's all I got. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. If people want to get a hold of you, how they get a hold, how they find you. Yeah, they can uh, find us online at uh, restoration1.com, uh, and we're Restoration 1 of Richmond South. Okay. and uh, Or they can reach me on my cell at 804-921-9187. Awesome. I, pre- I see Courtney then woke up over there when I'm time to wrap up. <laughs> so, but now I appreciate you coming in, man. Um, yeah, thank you for it. having me. It's yeah, always buddy. a pleasure. Of course.